There are a lot of things that matter to me. Family, community, culture, and peace of mind. Hi, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when balancing life, I have to say nothing brings more comfort than having support. And when it comes to ensuring those things that matter to you the most, State Farm offers the support with an agent available in person or on the phone to discuss your coverage options. Support when you need it, however you choose. That's State Farm's way. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Win the battle of your musty, damp basement with an easy-breathe ventilation system. Take charge of your indoor air. It's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors, pollutants, allergens, and airborne particles by 85%. An easy-breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner, fresher, healthy indoor air. And right now, get $250 off your own easy-breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com today. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. What's going on, everybody? It's Freddie Prince Jr. Welcome back to Wrestling with Freddie. Thanks for uh, all the episodes you've listened to so far. And thanks for tuning in to this week's episode which is searching for a Hardy or looking for Jeff. Uh, this was when I was given the Jeff Hardy assignment by Michael Hayes, which was make Jeff a champion. This is going to be his one and only chance, or so he thought at the time. So we're going to get deep into that. I'm sure there'll be a couple side quests as well at some point. So let's start the show. Welcome to Wrestling with Freddie. Now stepping up to the mic, the host of Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr. If you look up on YouTube or any better wrestling historian than me, there's a lot of them out there. But this is the time when Jeff Hardy became the world's heavyweight champion uh, for the very first time. And I was given the task of, uh, of, of accomplishing this, which most people thought was impossible and crazy. That's the cool part that I'll take credit for. But as far as the storytelling and the creativity behind it, that was a group of people that I would love to get uh, credit to. And uh, like I said, I'm sure there'll be some side quests. I'd been writing for a little while. I had done an Undertaker promo that Undertaker said uh, he didn't change a single word to. And to my knowledge, at least from what they said, I don't believe that had happened in a very, very long time. Um, and so I started getting bigger guys. I started getting Kane and some other uh, top talent there people that Vince is very particular with as far as certain words they can say. Kane wouldn't say destroy. He says obliterate and things like things of that nature. I get the Hardy story and I know about a lot of what's going on. And just so you guys know where we're at timeline wise, Jeff was beefing with MVP and Jeff's like, he had this like an Airstream trailer on the Hardy property and it burned down and Jeff's dog passed away. And they were all wondering if they could bring that up. And Jeff was like, yeah, if you if you have to, you know, you, you can. And MVP really respected Jeff, and Jeff knew that. So uh, MVP talks about his reckless and wild behavior, and it even, you know, getting your, your little dog killed. And Jeff, like, cracks, and they have this fight. And so this is just after that. Jeff had a lot of positive energy behind him. And MVP had gotten a lot of like mean, nasty heat off of Jeff. And Michael calls me into his office 
And he, he says in his PS, in his pure sexy voice, all right, here's what we're going to do. I need you to come up with a way and we're going to get the belt on Jeff. Don't call it a belt. We're going to get it on him. And so I'm sitting there like, yeah, okay, no problem. I don't know about Jeff's history. I don't, I didn't know about a dirt sheet until a couple of years ago <laughs> and I'm 45. You know, my dad was in this business and uh, died violently and he was in the tabloids a lot. So maybe I avoid that on like a pre-programmed subconscious level. And that's why I, I always kind of look the other direction because it felt like gossip maybe. I don't know. I've never self-analyzed that decision. I get into it with this guy, Chris DeJoseph. Uh, we called him DJ. And he's, he's laughing. He's like, it's never going to happen. And I'm like, what do you mean it's never going to happen? And he starts breaking down a lot of Jeff's issues in the past of rejecting rehab, having drug issues, things like that. And those were perceived speed bumps, or in, in this case, a brick wall to get through. But for me, I connected hard with it which I'll tell you about in a minute. In the episode, we're going to talk about serious stuff in this episode. It won't be all jokes. But I connected hard with it, and I saw opportunity. So my father was a stand-up comic in the 70s, for those who may just be tuning in. I broke this down for you in the very beginning, I think. And he was a big, he was a, he was a big-time deal, man. Richard Pryor discovered him. My dad had the number one show in the country in like 1975 or 74, something like that. Uh, drugs were a big part of his life in the 70s and tore my entire family apart because of it. And on January 27th, 1976, he put a gun to his head and he had about six quaaludes in his system and uh, pulled the trigger and he died. And it just wrecked my family. And so I had a lifetime of experience with drugs, why people do them. I'd gone through the anger of uh, that you have as a young man, not having a father. I had gone through the part of my life where if you even did drugs, you weren't in my circle of friends straight up. Like you were just ostracized. And then as I got older, I started to have more understanding and, and the more knowledge I got of what addicts go through it gave me a much clearer perspective. It's, it's a way of self-medicating. It's your brain knows it needs something. It just doesn't know what. And that's the easiest and unfortunately worst thing you could turn to. A lot of times they say, you know, the addict isn't taking the drug. The drug is taking the drug. This isn't just me telling you this. This is doctors of all from, from medical doctors to psychiatrists to, to everyone in between. And I've just taken knowledge from all of them. So I definitely had a sensitivity toward the addict, toward drug users, but still understood at a certain point, you got to stand on your own two damn feet and, and get your life together. Or you can end up like my pops and rip a family apart. So this was the approach that I took toward the promos and the storyline that we were going to do while Edge was champion with Vicky Guerrero and uh, Jeff was going to have to climb this ladder. And instead of shying away from it and running away from it, I leaned heavy into it. And I almost made Jeff, well, I made him a baby face using drugs as the, the means to do it without, I feel to this day, without making drugs look cool. We portrayed a, an artist who was tortured, who had self-hate in abundance, and who used art to get that hatred out. 
whether it be in Jeff's real life art, where he was painting a lot at the time. I don't know if he still does uh, through his wrestling and now through his promos. And the first one I wrote him, he changed one word. Um, and he, in, he inserted the word imagination, which was something Jeff came up with. And that word inspired every promo I wrote for him all the way to the championship. And I wrote every single one of those. And again, they're all on YouTube. You can check them out. You can let me know if you love them or if you hate them, whichever one. It's, you're allowed to feel however you feel. You can hit me up on social media and, and say, hey, did you write this crap? Or hey, did you write this gold? I love it. But that was, the, that was sort of the spark that kind of lit the fire. And from that, I just really tried to go into what do addicts suffer from? The world is not, I repeat, the world is not black and white. In fact, the black and white parts of this world are the smallest parts in comparison to the large area that gray encompasses globally. Uh, most of us, I would say, aren't good or bad people. We're just people trying to get by, right? And then there's incredibly good people. And when I say good, I don't mean the guy who lets you in in traffic. Good, I mean like the people who are selfless and give a lot of themselves away for the greater good. So you might call that great you might call that the the rare, the select few. I call them the good, right? Then there's the bad, the people that are only out for themselves and will smash and step on anyone to get what they want. And they don't care what the collateral damage is. And then there's you and I. It's We're a bunch of decent people who sometimes do wrong. We feel bad about it. Sometimes do right. We feel good about it. And we're just trying to get by. And the gray area is where the addict is no longer allowed to exist once they're publicly known as an addict, then it's just black and white for these people. It's, ah, oh, they're a junkie. Ah, oh, they're a drug addict. Oh, you can't trust them. Oh, they can't do this. By the way, all that criticism is completely justified. And that's why we showed Jeff fail and fail again. And if you look at the promos in this light, which was what I tried to do, I styled them after his matches. Jeff is a crash and burn wrestler. It's build your hopes up, build your hopes up, get up to the highest, most dangerous point possible. The only place possible where if he jumps off, he can end the match and then he fails because the guy gets out of the way or he gets betrayed or whatever the issue is. Right. And so we tried to write the promos in that same sense. And I wrote these alone in New York where I just was. So it was very kind of, I was making a movie out there. And so it was very surreal to be in the same city. And the, honestly, the last time I was there was when I was writing these Jeff Hardy promos. A lot of these images are, are fresh in my mind, or at least the philosophies behind them. I, you know, I don't have the, the promos memorized like I used to have to do back then so that I could kind of demonstrate how I think it should be performed. And so I would want to be off book for that. And then say, look, everything you see me do that you like, steal that and make it your own. And everything I do that looks like crap, just throw it away. Don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I, word for word, that's what I said to a lot of wrestlers. So that's what I was doing with Jeff. And I would sit in my apartment in New York all by myself. And usually I would just have music going on the TV. Like your satellite TV has music channels. You don't use these anymore because it's 2021. <laughs> but I would put on one of those channels and I would just sit there and I would try to make my dad a sympathetic professional wrestler. And that's what each and every one of these were. And he would talk about 
the world just sees me in black and white, but I am the gray, meaning he could not never possibly be on either side of that argument. He, it, it's impossible for him. You guys won't let him. So he's an outcast. And that's what his fans were at the time. They were the outcast fans. They were the ones that rooted for the guy that was never going to be champ. And they knew it and they bought his merchandise anyway. And this was a key component to the whole pitch that I made when I made it was I asked if I could see the merchandise numbers uh, for a bunch of the wrestlers. And this was before I was assigned the Jeff Hardy pitch. And I saw that Jeff's armbands were like, I think at the time, either the, I want to say I pitched him as the top seller. They may have been the second top seller, or at least for a week, they were the top seller. So maybe I used that as like, my example, but he sold a lot of freaking armbands. Okay. And they were like these Spider-Man webs that went up each arm and, and these things went and Jeff Hardy merchandise and his t-shirts, they were, they were selling like crazy. So I put together this whole pitch and I pre-wrote every promo that you guys saw. I presented to Vince on the same day. Everything was written. Now, some things changed. The taker promo didn't when they went to London, the taker Jeff promo. And then a couple like Jeff things would change here and there, but the other people edge stayed enjoyed staying locked into what I wrote. Uh, Vicky enjoyed staying locked into what I wrote there was a little bit of Hunter. He wrote his own stuff. He kind of did his own thing. And uh, we'll get into that at the end. This was when Hunter, I don't know if he ever liked me, but he was always respectful, but this was when he was kind of like done with me. And I, I respect Hunter, but he was for sure done with me and I get it. We're doing these promos and I'm talking about the gray area and I'm talking about what it's like to be judged every single day of your life. And the promos are really getting over with the audience. And the trick to these, well, first, <laughs> the trick was finding Jeff in order to shoot the promo. So we get there early at like 9, 10 a.m., uh, sometimes a little later. Earlier was better. Uh, most people hated it, but the earlier we got there, granted the production meeting was longer, but I had more time to email people what I needed to email, which gave them more time to learn their stuff or at least understand the philosophy and it benefited everyone. Win the battle of your musty, damp basement with an easy breathe ventilation system. Take charge of your indoor air. It's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors, pollutants, allergens, and airborne particles by 85%. An easy breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner, fresher, healthy indoor air. And right now, get $250 off your own easy breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com today. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five, High Five Casino. Casino. Win at High Five Casino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We got there usually around 
10 a.m. for most of these, I feel like. I would get assigned my crew. A lot of my stuff was pre-approved, but his championship was not approved. Just this storyline of the gray area was approved. We're all getting our assignments. And the best way, I think, to find Jeff is to find Matt, right? And I was cool with Matt. He had punched me in the eye on accident one time, gave me a black eye while he was warming up. So he was always like, he's always been very sympathetic and kind for nearly fracturing my head. And I finally go, hey, man, where's your brother? And he goes, "Ah, good luck with that. And so, no, there's no panic, but I got to find him. It's a big promo. It was very, I never, I emailed Jeff a lot of promos, but I never received an email back. So I don't know if he ever saw any of them until the day of, Till the day we shot them. But I sent him a lot. I sent him a lot of emails. So I'm looking all around the arena. I do a full lap. I don't see him. I find, I think it was um, Drew McIntyre. And I say, hey, man, have you seen Jeff? He said, yeah, he's back by catering, which is on the complete opposite side of where I'm at. So I go all the way back to catering. He's not there. I'm like, Natalia, this is Natty Neidhart. I say, Natalia, have you seen Jeff? She goes, I think he's back by the buses. I run back to the buses. Nobody there. Not even someone to ask, have you seen Jeff? I get back. I find Matt again, or I don't find Matt. Matt finds me. He goes, hey, man, I saw Jeff. He's uh, back by the locker rooms. I go to the locker rooms. He's not in there. I go to into the stairwell next to the locker rooms on pure Jedi instincts, and Jeff's sitting on the stairs. And he's, he's not he, his head's not down, but he's just sitting there. And I go, oh, hey, hey, man, what, what's what's going on? He goes, oh, hey, sorry, man, sorry. He's got this, like, cool Carolina drawl when he when he speaks. And I say, hey, we got this uh, promo today. It's all approved. I say, you know, I emailed it to you. I don't know if you got it. He goes, oh, yeah, right on, right on. But he doesn't say whether he got the email or not. And he starts looking at it and reading through it. I say, take your time. I say, I'm going to stay right outside the door, though, so that if you have any questions or anything that you want to, you know, work on, we can work on it together. And uh, he says, no, it's okay, man. I just, I want to, I really want to learn these. I like, I like your promos. I want to memorize it. And I see that. So I'm like, I'm going to leave him alone. I'm going to leave him alone. So I leave him alone on this first one. We get to a backstage area where we're going to shoot this because I didn't want him to do it in ring yet. And we start filming and he's not happy with the vibe of it because he doesn't get enough time to memorize. That's still the biggest issue with the WWE. If you're not going to give them time to learn it, let them write for themselves or don't write for them, period. Just give them a, a starting place, a midpoint and an end point and let them flow. But we didn't have that. We didn't have that option. He's not digging it. I know it's not where it needs to be, but I know it can be better. Right. So I say, all right, hold up, dude. And I literally write the promo out on cue cards on a lot of them because we didn't have paper big enough to do the whole thing on one. And so it doesn't look like he's reading off a cue card. I tell him, hey, I'm just going to move it around to different parts of the camera. We won't move the camera. It'll just be me moving with the cue cards. And you can kind of let your face move when you feel pain. And that will sort of motivate the move to where you can see the card again. He's like, all right, all right. And this was a quick hustle that we had to do. You only get so much time to get these done and then approved and then edited into the show. This was SmackDown. This wasn't on Monday Night Raw. We're doing our thing and it's working. And it takes us like two or three takes. And then it's really flowing and he nails it. And he's almost hardly even looking at the cards now. He said it so much. And uh, we get it done. I get it in. It gets on TV and the crowd pops big for it. And for SmackDown then, that was rarer because it wasn't the more popular show. And they would literally put canned applause in because the reactions were never as as good. 
maybe people knew it wasn't live. I don't know. It was like canned laughter on a sitcom, which you do not want. Um, or maybe some actors do. Maybe they, maybe they don't like it. I don't know. We're not side questing yet. The pop is so real that Vince literally says on the headphones, oh, that was a real pop. And I'm like, oh, we're good. We're good. We're good. The storyline's starting to develop. He's going after Edge. Nobody trusts it. And we're a week out from pitching him as champion. Edge still has the belt. And Hunter's like right on the edge of the of the championship picture at that point. The promos are all going well. I got Jeff his promo early that morning because he was there with his brother. So at like nine or 10 o'clock. And then uh, they went to the locker room to go to sleep, take a nap. Our truth was already in there taking a nap. Um, but we had to be there early for some reason. So even the wrestlers did. We go that night. Jeff's got his promo completely memorized. He doesn't do it for me, but I know he does. You could just kind of see it in his eyes, right? So we're going to shoot this thing. We're getting ready to rock and roll. And all the power goes out. And we can't, we can't record anything. Now, our camera can record. It's on battery, right? Our sound can. They don't have to be plugged in. But we have no lights. Now it's time to start giving credit to other people. This was, well, before we get into that, let's give credit where it's due. The London show, which I skimmed over, I didn't go to. I didn't want to fly all the way to London. I was living in New York at the time and taking the train to Stanford every week. And so they went. And Krista Joseph was the one who shot that whole segment and fought for the segment when people in the room wanted to change a lot of it. He fought for it. Freebird fought for it. I don't know who else did. I'm sure someone else did. I wasn't there, so I can't give you credit. But I know for a fact they did because my buddy who did go told me so. Uh, so that promo goes off without a hitch. They say it word for word how I wrote it. And DJ shot it well. And he had to, you have to understand, he had to cut back and forth from Undertaker in ring to Hardy backstage on a pre-written Thing that I wrote and the writer's not there. So this it's a challenge to pull that off. So credit to the truck as, as well for, for editing so quickly as they have to. So we're back. We're now getting ready to shoot the promo and the power goes out and Stephanie McMahon comes by and she's like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on. We have no power. We can't shoot. She goes, the cameras work, don't they? I go, they do. She goes, then we can shoot. I go, we're not going to be able to see anything. She goes, hold on. And she starts looking around. We're literally in like a, a suite at a, at a basketball arena. And she's literally frantically looking around, opening cabinets, drawers. I start looking through cabinets and drawers. She finds a pen light, a green pen light. I grab a highball glass. She's shining it at me, right? I grab a highball glass. I go, shine it through this glass. She grabs the glass and shines it through. One of the guys had a flashlight on him. And so he does the same thing. Uh, one of the crew guys, of course they would. And we use this kind of just ghetto light slash glass. We were like Mythbusters, like creating new ways to, to, to shoot things. And Steph McMahon, the daughter of the owner of the company, she's literally holding a glass and a green light and lighting Jeff Hardy. And so is one of the other crew guys. And I'm holding cue cards. That's where the flashlight came from. He gave it to me. And I'm holding it on the cue cards so Jeff can read the cue cards, even though he's, he's locked in. But we, we need to be there. It, it helped him. So uh, we shoot this whole thing. And Vince friggin' loves it. And I'm looking at Stephanie. And, and we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. But this is where she really earned my respect because she was willing to get her hands dirty. And there was no way we were going to fail. It just wasn't an option. And I, I, you know, I'm sitting there going like, we're screwed. 
what what can I do? I gotta I gotta find a generator or wait for the power to come on. She came in and there's no wait. No, we're not waiting. We're gonna get this. We're not gonna get screwed. And if the power comes back on, we'll shoot it again. But we're we're getting this and we're getting it now. Not only do we get it, it looked way cooler than it would have looked if we had full power. Maybe not to you, but in the moment and the adrenaline that's going on these shows. It's a big, it's a big deal. And they put a lot on the line. It's their families. It's not just their company. It's their family's name. That's on the line every week. I know a lot of, you know, fans will say, well, they don't seem to worry about that too much. The way they book things. I, I get that. I get that. And there's a lot of stuff in the WWE that I can't stand. All right. I loved carrying cross when they brought him up to the main roster. I literally was like, he's done. And that's it. And then they released him. So I I'm with you. I get it. I love Bray Wyatt too. I'm with you, but they do take pride in their name and they do take pride in their company. And this is just an example that's not on a gossip column somewhere where I can legit tell you homegirl rolled up her sleeves, dug a foxhole, got a gun figuratively, took post and was not letting anybody get over that line. Like it was, I I loved her for that. I literally loved her for that. And it helped us accomplish the story that we were trying to accomplish. So we're kicking butt with the promos. I'm in your, by the way, by the way, you guys, I was in New York. First time I've been in New York since I worked for WWE. I was making this, we're on a side quest, making this movie. This is how crazy Manhattan was. I literally moved to Brooklyn halfway through. So the first like five days I'm there, there's this homeless dude outside that either was massively hooked on drugs or straight up had spina bifida, like the way he was walking. Like I was worried about this guy every day. It would get real cold at night. There were some nice days, but at night it would get real cold. One night he's standing outside the apartment that they set me up in to where like, you can't get in the apartment unless you step over. And I'm, this is kind of a sad story, but I'm looking at the guy. I'm like, man, this man, he looks dead. Right? So I climb over. I literally step over to dude, tell the doorman. He's like, nah, man, he's out there every night. I come down the next morning, nine hours later, they call it a force call when you don't get 12 hours off. Everyone's like, you get 12 hours off, bro. Screw you. Not all the time. I come downstairs and my driver was this nice Puerto Rican lady named Janetta, and she's crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she goes, when I got here, they took the poor man in the, in the ambulance. He was dead. It was like messing with my head. I was talking to the hair and makeup people in a trailer that, that morning at work. I'm like, yo, it was like, Manhattan's so different. And it's like messing with me and the producer heard. And he's like, dude, what? A dead body? I was like, yeah, he goes, you're going to Brooklyn. So I went to Brooklyn and everyone had a smile on their face. Everyone had a beard, not the girls. Y'all didn't have beards, but the guys had great beards. Everyone had dogs. They let me pet their dogs. I didn't steal any of their dogs, which was hard. People walk around with like sushi and coffee with real sugar because there's no artificial sweetener in Brooklyn. They don't allow it. And thank you, Brooklyn, because uh, I was very, (laughs) I was very, this LA boy was very unequipped for Manhattan this time around. So anyway, we get to the pay-per-view and this is the match where we, have pitched that Jeff Hardy's going to go over. Now, all the top dogs know this is where the story's going. Vince knows this. Kevin Dunn knows this. Bruce Pritchard, of course, Freebird. It's his idea. I don't believe the agents know until the moment that we're about to speak of. And Hunter for sure knows. And Stephanie for sure knows. We get in there and I believe it's Armageddon. 
was the name of the pay-per-view. And we sit down and we make our, or I don't do it, but Michael makes his pitch for the match, the finish with, with Hardy going over for the championship. Nobody says anything. It's super quiet. And Vince goes, anybody have any thoughts? And a couple of the agents speak up and they, you know, they're pro, they're pro Jeff. He's been working hard. We even did an angle. I get mad at the way the media treats wrestling, but like, I just always hated it. So we even pulled one on them where we took that Jeff storyline of him, you know, being this, the screw up that the WWE had him. And we leaked a story that wasn't even true with Jeff's permission to uh, like CNN or somebody and they bought it. And so if CNN hears this, ha, I've got you suckers deal with that. And uh, it wasn't even true. And it was going to help us hide Jeff so that he could be this like surprise entrance and make this match like a triple threat, I think is how the story was going to go. But uh, but yeah, they ran with that story and uh, we got to burn them on it later. And Vince liked that we got to give them the middle finger because the media has never been good to the WWE or WWF. Win the battle of your musty, damp basement with an easy breathe ventilation system. Take charge of your indoor air. It's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors, pollutants, allergens, and airborne particles by 85%. An easy breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner, fresher, healthy indoor air. And right now, get $250 off your own easy breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com today. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I remember specifically Kevin Dunn did not want Jeff to be champion. And he kind of like shrugged his shoulders. He goes, you got to be kidding me with this. And Vince doesn't say anything. He regards the the opinion. He hears some other agents like speak up and they say good thing. I remember Arn Anderson said good things. Pritchard hasn't said anything yet. And then Hunter speaks up and goes, are we seriously? I'm going to do a Triple H impression. Are we seriously going to fucking trust this guy? And that was like a sniper bullet taking you out at the leg. An honest bullet, but a bullet just the same. I was nervous that someone might say it. Because they would be right. But I believed the story we were telling or were trying to tell was was worth the risk. I genuinely did. I thought we were telling an honest, interesting wrestling story. And I don't think that's the easiest thing in the world to do. And I don't think you can just stick it on anyone. I think it has to fit the talent. And this story fit. And so I've been preparing the whole time. And Michael was going to let me take any more bullets for sure because it's just he just wasn't he brought these guys in man he fought for the hardies more times than anyone in the company and he knew the foundation we were standing on better than anyone 
And I knew that's why he put it on me because I was smelling good to the boss at the time. I always smelled good to the boss. Thank you very much. And uh, so I'm like, all right, this is going to be, this is going to be my argument. And I know DJ will speak up, but Hunter, if he wants to smash on DJ, he can smash on him and Vince can smash on anyone. But the only one who could really smash on me was Vince. Cause anybody else I could speak to on at least an equal playing field, maybe not as far as like wrestling knowledge, but as far as like, confidence and what I knew I brought to the table and the fact that I could walk away. So those are my only cards. So I start pitching why this is a good idea. And I'm telling this is an honest story. We've done nothing but tell the truth. I said, if he has a relapse, if he goes down again, you take the title off him. I said, you've taken it off him before for stuff like that on smaller belts. I said, we've taken it off other people in a day. I said, we can pull this off. I said, you got to, you know, I'm giving him this passion plea. It's about five minutes long. And then Hunter starts shooting it down again. And I don't, you know, I don't want it to be a fight. I don't want it to be an argument. I don't want to have enemies in the company, but I don't want this whole story that we built up to let the fans of Jeff Hardy down again. I, and it's my idea. There's some pride and there's some ego there that I believe is worthy of this brass ring, so to speak. Right. So we're having our creative argument back and forth. Hunter starts challenging the merits of the story, but that's hard for him to do because I had this thing plotted out. So I got an answer for him at every stop. And then he brings up the reliability again. And I say, I'm kind of out of options. So I just hit him with, look, as unreliable as this dude has been, he's the number one selling merch guy that we have in the company. And I threw out his numbers from whatever week I saw it, right? I go, that's off those armbands and his t-shirts. I said, these fans believe in him more than any other wrestler in the company. And that includes you, which I shouldn't have said, but I did. I wanted Jeff to go over in this frigging match. It gets kind of quiet and I'm looking at Vince and I go, we came all this way. If we don't make him champ now, we're never going to do it. And if he screws up, it's on me. And uh, Vince kind of sits there for a moment. And then he says, all right, uh, everybody get out. And everybody means everybody except Bruce, Kevin, and Hunter, right? So that means I have to go. So I'm gone. Freebird's gone. DJ's gone. We're all waiting outside. We don't like go to our stations. We're waiting outside. We want to know the answer. The production meeting on this day was on the same floor as like uh, the VIP cafeteria. So there's this like empty cafeteria behind us, a lot of free space. We're sitting there and I'm looking at Freebird and I go, what do you think? And he goes, I don't know. You, you know, you did your best. He's like trying to prep me for failure. So now I'm like, shoot, man, it's just not going to happen. Like, is it seriously going to get, get killed right now? And listen, again, Hunter was proven right at, at the end of the day. I mean, Jeff got in trouble, I think, less than a year after this happened. They gave him the other belt after that, the other championship. And then he got in trouble and then got in bigger trouble and had to leave the company for a while. So at the end of the day, he was right. But all of a sudden, the door swings open and only Hunter comes out and he doesn't even look at me, right? And he walks by. And so this now means two things. One, this dude doesn't like me anymore and is probably going to work against me now, which is what happened. And two, just going to be the world heavyweight champion, which is the whole point of this in the first place. And so I'm willing to take these bullets and I'm willing to get him the champion or to, you know, to get this story through so he can be the champion. 
and I watched the match from like the back, like a side, like a side entrance, right? And Hunter's not involved in the finish because he did not believe in the idea. And I respect that. And Jeff comes in and he gets it on, on edge. I think Hunter was out of the ring at the time. And then he climbs up the scaffolding and which is psycho dangerous, but he did it before the, the match did it once just to show that he could. And he holds the belt up there at like the highest point in the arena, which speaks volumes to who Jeff Hardy is the dude still wrestles today, who he is as a professional wrestler and who he's always been as a professional wrestler. And we got that storyline through and it was definitely, it wasn't the most proud of a story. Cause I had a, another story that we'll talk about on another episode that I was more proud of, but it just didn't get as much love because it wasn't, it wasn't Jeff. And, and it was something that me and the talent manufactured as opposed to bringing real stuff out from my own life and the the history that I have with my father and Jeff's trials and tribulations during that time as well um, with consent and with permission, of course. But there are there's a smaller one that, that didn't, it didn't last, but I have more pride in that. But it definitely, you know, it, it gave me a lot of latitude, which you don't normally have as a writer there after after Jeff to work with younger talent and to kind of spread my wings a little more but it caused problems as well they had a wrestler there he looked like the rock um not as big and he could speak english arabic hebrew and something else man and he and i had this cool kind of idea that we had worked out and i remember this was maybe like a couple weeks after the jeff thing and Hunter came up to me and he was like, hey, man, I'm working with him on something, so you don't need to work with it. And he didn't say stay away from him, but he's saying, hey, man, like, I want you around the guys that I like. And so that's when I was kind of like, ah, that sucks, man. Like, you know, I was just trying to, you know, do right by the company. And Jeff's sales went through the roof even more after that. And the storyline lasted pretty strong. We gave Jeff an in-ring one with edge that went a little sideways because it was entering and not in a controlled environment, but he still got over and the crowd started chanting with Jeff, which was, you know, the goal anyway, just in a, it went a different way than I wanted, but I'm a dungeon master in dungeons and dragons. So I'm prepared when things go off the rails, but yeah, man, it was, it was a bittersweet moment in the company. And it was the first time I really started considering like, is it, is it worth it? There's so many egos here. I'm going to hurt someone's feelings every time they lose a match. It was true. I mean, I had dudes come up to me and say, hey, man, if I lose another match, I feel like they're going to let me go. I'm not trained to do anything else. That resonated with me. It's a humbling, it's a humbling moment for anyone to go to. I'm not saying the dude's name, but he followed it with like, I don't want to be packing groceries if I get released and I was like, man, I got to get something. His dude wasn't even on my, on my list of people I was supposed to be working for. And I started writing for him and his valet, this, you know, twisted sick thing that might work on the WWE's version of ECW, which they still had at the time. I probably worked on it for, I think two weeks and they released him 10 days in. I didn't know. And I found out on the SmackDown that they shot ECW on the same day as SmackDown on Tuesday back then that they let homeboy go. And I was just like, dang, he knew he saw it coming. Show business in general is real cutthroat. And a lot of people talk about luck. 
And I'm here to tell you, there's no such thing. There is being prepared for opportunities and there is being unprepared for opportunities. The son of a gun in this group is the opportunity because we never know when it's going to come. And far too many of us, far too often, are unprepared when those opportunities present themselves. So if you have a passion, you have to be ready because you never, ever know when it's going to present itself. I'm telling you, when I was in acting class, you hear actors talk about, oh, I got an audition tomorrow. Oh, what time? I'm at 10. Oh, I got to be there early at nine. And then you hear that same actor say, you know, hey, let's go drinking after class. Well, you know where my head's going. I didn't party until I made it, right? So in my head, I'm like, this dude ain't making his 9 a.m. meeting, but you know who is? <laughs> Me. And those were the opportunities. I would bust my ass on a scene I wasn't even supposed to be in on. Go in, I, I'll even tell you a name because Ryan knows I did it. It was Ryan Philippi. And uh, I knew he wasn't going to make that meeting. And I showed up and they said, Ryan. And I walked straight in. <laughs> the assistant knew I wasn't Ryan. And I gave the read. And uh, the director goes, that's a, that's a great job. I said, oh, thanks. And he goes, who are you? And I just like checked my shoes right away, right? Like eyes to the floor in shame. And the casting director knew the jig was up. And I look up, I go, yeah, I'm, I'm Freddie. And then before they could say anything, I shout out, but she wouldn't see me otherwise. And the director starts laughing. He goes, you did great, man. You did great. He goes, give me your last name. I say, Prince. He goes, all right, I booked this job. The casting director never sees me again. So I don't know what you want to take from that. Either take advantage of the opportunity and lose out on others or lose out on all the opportunities. But I knew if I studied my ass off and gave the best audition, I would have the best opportunity to book that job. And I've seen wrestlers do it. I've seen them get their chance and and have that match where maybe they weren't supposed to, or even though they were going to lose, it was going to be an 80-20 And they're on the 20 side as far as who's going to get over. And then the other wrestler, the veteran is like, hey, we're going to make this 60-40. And they give this other wrestler a shot. I watched Edge do it with Dolph Ziggler early on. And he came backstage. I'll never forget this. Vince goes, how'd he do? And Edge goes, that dude can work. And that was all it took. And all of a sudden, Ziggler had had Vicky and Ziggler became a champion. And he was prepared for the moment. And when you're prepared for that moment, opportunity has no choice but to roll out the red carpet. If you're unprepared, it's it's a crappy road that hasn't been paved in 40 years. And you're a Porsche. You're a Porsche driving on this horrible street. Why are you doing that? So always, always, always be prepared. This isn't really connected. This is just another side quest. But especially if you're an artist, work that craft, be ready to present it to people. If you're a painter, have a have a portfolio ready to go. If you're a sculptor, don't give them all away. Save some so you have something to show people. If you're a writer, you better be writing as soon as you turn this podcast off. And if it's a wrestling movie and that nobody thinks is going to get made, screw them. Write it anyway. Write what you want, not what people tell you to write. That's a good message for all you streamers out there that stream video games or whatever i see you at what should i play no 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 play what you want to play that's what's authentic anything else you're gonna burn out maybe that's why i didn't last in the wrestling business i tried to write for everybody and i burned out 
All right, you guys, thanks for tuning in. I'll see everybody next week with a brand new episode of Wrestling with Freddie. Peace. This has been a production of iHeart's My Cultura Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, Honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Barapapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado.